When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fueled by Temperance Spirits, Edmonton's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Order online for doorstep delivery. Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton, your local leader in post-game Oilers analysis. In this episode, it's fueled by Temperance Spirits, the city's leading non-alcoholic beverage provider. Visit Temperance online for a curated section of non-alcoholic options. Choose from a variety of craft beers, mocktails, wines, and spirits. Temperance isn't just a retailer. It's a community of Edmontonians who celebrate the spirit of socializing without the need for alcohol. And with Temperance Spirits online shop, ordering your favorite non-alcoholic bevies right to your door is as easy as Connor scoring the winning goal. You can find our partners at Temperance online at www.temperance-spirits.com for delivery to your door. And use the code SDPN for 10% off your order at checkout. And give them a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Temperance Spirits. What's up? I'm Zach. It's Dennis. Thank God the Oilers won. Uh, Thank you. I see we already got 27 people. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday night. We really appreciate it. I don't want to use the word fun for that game. Uh, It was a lot of stuff. It was fun for about 54 minutes. But uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, want to say what's up to MGD, MD Grin, Nico, Swoosh, everyone in chat. If you're watching, go ahead, hit like. We really appreciate it. Help us out. Uh, we've been doing it's the stream's just been crazy this year. It's been so much fun to do. Um, but obviously, unlike the Oilers season up until the last three games, you know. Uh, other than that, but yeah, the Oilers win in a shootout, five to four. Over the Las Vegas Golden Knight, it's in an unnecessarily stressful fashion. Dennis, what do you think about it? Man, I was so excited to proclaim that we're back. You know what? Vegas is struggling, but hey, right up until, like you said, the last six minutes or so, the Oilers dominated this game. They were so, so much more invested into the game against Vegas, but all of a sudden, it just... It all went to shit, right? Yeah. In in the span of just three minutes, it all went to shit. Literally. And now we're we're stuck in this this weird zone, right? We're happy. It's a it's a shootout W, okay, but it it shouldn't have been this hard. It, they, the Oilers they, really yeah. made it harder on themselves for no reason. Well, 
I agree with you to a point, and this is where maybe I'm a homer, maybe I'm biased, whatever, but to be honest with you, I think for the six defensemen and the 12 forwards on the ice, this was the best, most complete effort of the season thus far. We said that against Washington, we said that against Anaheim, and now Vegas, obviously, I know they've been struggling, but they're a way better team. They're the team that eliminated Edmonton in the playoffs, right? This is the team. This is your measuring stick game. This is the team you match up against. This is the team you're thinking about a week out, right? They came into this game, and they didn't just play well. They dominated Vegas. They made little mistakes throughout, but for the most part, like in the first period, Vegas didn't get a high-danger chance. Edmonton was far superior to Vegas. Edmonton had the same little gaffes that kind of cost them throughout the game that have been costing them all season uh, appear late and whatever, and we can get into it, but I can tell you want to jump in. Like, is it insane for me to say some of the guys that we've been ragging on all season, including Adam? No, nope, I will never admit. Six minutes? No. Nope. Until the last six minutes, I was like, you know what? This is like his best game of the season. Nah, I'm going to give him credit. Worst spoiler of all time. Down the toilet. Yeah, Adam Ernie, I will stand by. Worst oiler of all time. I will say that shift did make me laugh a little bit where he got <laughs> the huge hit on Nicholas Hag. It goes all the way up the ice, ends up alone in on Thompson. It, it, you're lying if you thought he would score. I didn't even move. Hands of stone, right? Oh. Like absolutely, totally frozen hands in front of Thompson. But he drew a penalty and I was like, oh, I wrote down credit. my book. All right, Ernie did a thing. Credit credit where credit's due. Ernie did a thing, but it was his fault. If you if, if you want to blame Skinner, which I do blame Skinner regardless, you're screened or you're not, you're an NHL goalie, make the save. That's his second shot of the period. Make the fucking save on that goal. Like, <laughs> this is why you can't be a starter for the Oilers. This is why they cannot start him. Because I wrote, this was after the first period, after the second period, Stu's best effort of the season. Amadio goal, whatever. That's where the that's a case where the wingers blow the face off. They start going the other direction. That's defensive coverage. Dude, let let's let's do these. In yeah, order. yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. agree with you. I totally agree with you on that one. And this game has been the duality of the Oilers, and in so many instances. In my notes, I wrote, this is the duality of X, right? I wrote the duality of Yanmark on that one. I wrote duality of Ernie. Yeah. The duality of a whole ton of players where they're just amazing on one shift and you flip the script, the next face off, they're dog shit. (laughs) You know what? That's a great way to put it. Like, Yanmark looked awesome, honestly, I thought, in the offensive zone. He was really, really, really good on the penalty kill. He broke, he he single-handedly stopped Marshall from scoring a goal on the power play. Like, excellent. And then what are you doing on the faceoff there? Like, what? How do you make the mistake? He flies the zone. Like, Dreisaitl, it wasn't a definitive, like, oh, yeah, like, he's got this. Mm -mm. It was so early i know he, he, the moment the puck dropped that man was gone yanmark was like my legs were pumping on the last shift i'm gonna keep them pumping and he just totally missed amadio alone uh i know i'm sorry i'm so sorry man i know we said we were gonna do it chronologically yeah let's go back yeah, i was just gonna to say the first first period <laughs> well so hyman's out right hyman's ill, ill yeah. tonight and we're missing zach hyman and, and that's a huge part i mean that's a part hyman's on the penalty kill He's on the power play. The power play still looked really good, but 
the power plays better with Hyman than Kane because Hyman's a better passer than Evander Kane. Um, he's he's yeah. the leading scorer on the team. Yeah, that's very true. Very, I think he tied Kane might have tied him tonight with eleven goals. But yeah. regardless, yeah, goals per game, Hyman is more efficient than Evander Kane. Regardless, anyways, Hyman's out. Sam Gagne does come back in the lineup. He's still around. Nobla didn't vanish him or anything. He just wasn't <laughs> playing him for whatever reason. And wouldn't you know? You know, there was a choppy start to the game whatsoever. There was a couple penalties here or there. There was the Oilers were on the kill. Really good kills early on. Vegas 0 for 5 on the power play tonight. Obviously, penalty kill has been a huge positive since Chris Nobla came over. But kind of halfway through that first period, Sam Gagne scores a goal on Logan Thompson that he'll probably want back. But regardless, James Hamlin, his first NHL assist, and it was just awesome to see. You, who doesn't love watching Sam Gagne score? Watching him celebrate. Yeah, look at the celly too, right? Like he did the straight up fucking celly. And and I wrote down early on in the first period. I'm like, you know what? The bottom six is is looking strong. I I admit I was wrong. I thought last game the way to go for this would be to start off just like any other game. I know it's Vegas. They took you out last time. They whacked dry subtle in the wrists, like all of that emotion. I thought last, last game over bottle all that in just play like any other Oilers game. Just keep it going. And I couldn't be more wrong. Like the Oilers came out with so much intensity, so much jump and the bottom six, they were flying around. Mm-hmm. They were throwing the bodies. I thought that was way better than what I suggested. So I, I completely eat my words on that one. Uh, yeah. It, it capitalizes in this Gagne just kind of throwing it on the net, chaos in front, and it's a goal. Like, they don't they don't care whether, you know, Thompson should have had that one, whether it was expected it, it goals or not. If it goes in the net, that's awesome. Absolutely. Hamblin and Gagne drove that fourth line tonight. Those two together, they looked really good in the limited moments that they were out there. Fuck, you just got to get Adam Ernie off that line. Like if Dylan Holloway, when Dylan Holloway's healthy, if you put Fogel down there or Derek Ryan or whatever, like I think that's got the makings of a D. De- Actually, if Derek Ryan's too slow, that would be a very slow combination of players. But And you saying that actually just triggered my memory. Ernie, he got off scot-free because he absolutely did not have a good start to the game i just thought back in my memory bank he took that high sticking penalty oh yeah negated for us that was one of the most brain dead plays i've ever seen how do you get a too many men in a delayed penalty situation i understand i guess thompson didn't go to the bench right away and uh, a vegas player jumped on too fast but like use your head but even if even if Thompson was on the bench, like granted, he he didn't skate at all towards the bench. Even if he did jump on, it was like seven players still. Yeah, like Vegas had a you're right brain dead penalty on that one. But I, yeah, I laughed. That, I that laughed. Was, <laughs> I laughed. That was Ernie being atrocious. Yeah, like exactly. Petrangelo did snap his head back, you know, a little bit three seconds after the stick kind of touched him or whatever. But regardless, again, a penalty is a penalty. But the, the refs are going to be a talking point at some point. And it, it started early on. It started early on. When you play Vegas, I don't understand why. I don't understand how. But it always feels like they always get the benefit of the doubt. They were chasing the game for 90% of the game. The Oilers had a puck for what, 66% of that game, they was on an oiler stick. The Vegas wasn't touching it. They weren't generating anything. And somehow, 
The power plays were like 5-2 to two for Vegas at one point. It, it doesn't even make sense. Every time Vegas, you'd think they'd take a call, you'd look around, no hand in the air. It starts early on. Uh, Braden McNabb completely interferes with Ryan Eugene Hopkins. Like, blatant! As blatant as it gets. Okay, you don't call that? Whatever. That's the standard. Not, I might have been on the same shift Darnell Nurse gets a penalty for interference. Is it interference? Exactly. Yes, but call the other thing! It's, on it the other side happened. of the ice, you just left it. So why is Nurse getting the penalty on this side of the ice? Like it, it, Consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Like so many times in broadcasts and what the players mention, if the refs are just consistent, no one will complain. Yeah. Like call a penalty no matter who's doing it, no matter what team is doing it. And that, that, Nurse penalty was followed up by a Bouchard penalty. Yeah, which, for tripping. Like, it is. It's, it's a trip. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of those ticky-tack, okay, if you call that later in the game when Ryan McLeod gets tripped, call that. When Connor McDavid exactly. sticks ripped out of his hands with four minutes left in the game, call that. But, okay, whatever. The refs just didn't. It, it, it was kind of, that's the uphill battle you have to fight when you play a team like Vegas or LA. That's the two teams where it's very prevalent to me. Um, golden child. But yeah, it, it, it felt like Vegas was really fighting the puck that period. It almost felt like the Oilers could have capitalized more on their opportunities and gotten up a little bit earlier uh, by, you know, more goals uh, because Vegas, it just seemed like there were giveaways constantly. It was ending up on an Oilers stick and they were falling down. They were flubbing it. It felt like early on the Oilers defense was kind of struggling with the breakout pass. But the Oilers had opportunities and they didn't necessarily capitalize to me. It felt like Thompson kind of looked, reminded me of Stuart Skinner early on last game where he looked really shaky. Like he was dropping pucks and letting in squeakers, but he wasn't necessarily actually letting in a ton of goals. He kind of got bailed out a few times by Vegas, and obviously Vegas kind of kept it close throughout the game. But yeah, it was it was, it was a little bit of a weird period. But when Stu did need to make a save, there were a number of decent glove saves, I want to say. But again, in the first period, Vegas didn't generate a high-danger chance. I just want to check here what the chances ended up being at the end of the game. Yeah, Vegas only had five all game. Like, that was a um, that was probably the Oilers' best defensive effort of the season, I, I think. Yeah, I, th I noted really early on that the Oilers seemed to be able to get a stick on a lot of the passes that Vegas was using to enter the zone or exit their own zone. Uh, I, I thought that was amazing to see. Like The Oilers in the first period were great, and mm -hmm. there was that shorthanded chance from Fogel and McLeod. And Fogel. Yeah. yeah, that was great. There, there were so many great plays that just didn't end up capitalizing for the Oilers. But the lucky one that went in, does it, that's fine. Like, you got a couple of bounces. You got a couple of squeakers. That's hockey, right? Mm -hmm. And and Gagne is a great player. He comes in after a long hiatus with no notice, right? Because Hyman was scratched this morning, they said. Uh, it was, like, right before they went out. It was, like, so, a, yeah, less than an hour before the game. No notice at all. So you love to see that, like Gagne staying ready uh, and just with that shooter's mentality, just get it on the net yeah. and recognize that, you know what? You, you have an opportunity with a couple bodies in front of Logan Thompson who wasn't spectacular, like you said. Yeah, and then kind of going out in front of the second, you kind of get into that more back and forth that Edmonton and Vegas had, right? Like Mark Stone, right at the beginning of the period, tips it on. Uh, Bouchard was chasing Eichel up to the blue line, not saying it's the wrong play by Bouchard, it's just what happened, and Ekholm was battling with Stone in front, and he did a decent job tying him up, 
That, to me, yeah. is a bad balance that, again, when you're limiting chances to the point that you are, you're an NHL goalie, make a save. I get that it's a tip. I get that it changes directions. Every, all 75 guys who have started an NHL game have make those saves better than Stuart Skinner because Stuart Skinner still, or at least up until yesterday, was, what, 75 out of 75 and goal saved above expected? Quite literally the worst goal in the NHL. Again, Money yeah. Puck has the Oilers all situations at 4.98 expected goals to Vegas having 1.82. Stuart Skinner should have made more saves. Again, like, this is the, it's such a, it's a consistent theme. This is the, the only difference between this game and the games, you know, 10 games ago, where the Oilers, the, the pucks just weren't going in for them. Uh, on the offensive end, they were getting so unlucky, but they aren't generating much more in terms of chances than they were 10 games ago. They're literally just the puck luck has turned. That's the only difference. However, the goaltending itself has stayed the same. Again, your goalie is an yeah. 858 tonight. Not good enough. Not you can't, good enough. Yeah, I'm, I could get into the Spencer Martin rumors after. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? Before, as we continue on, you know what happened in the second, in the first intermission at the game? Uh, mm. did, I, Wait, I think we're thinking. Game? I think yeah. I, I'm talking about some at the game. I don't know exactly no. what happened. Um, I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't know what the context of. But the Tony Brar introduced Ken Holland on the jumbotron, and the arena just poured down in booze on Ken Holland, which you love to see it. You love to see that, it. That's the thing. If you're Ken Holland, like man, this last year is so hard to ride out, right? Like. Uh, at this point, do you ask him like, can I not show up? Can I just, can I just stay home? Like, mm -hmm. this is clearly he's not in charge anymore. And oil country, he also does, just sucks. He just sucks. He can't create a, a team in the cap era. Like, he's done. He's washed. Like this, his career is over here. He's messed up two teams. And at this point. I don't know why he's he's still sticking around. I don't know if it's Oilers management or or you know, I, could it be Daryl Gates telling him you have to be here? Like oh, yeah. he's not running. The show. I don't know. I don't know what the context was of him being on the jumbotron. It was just funny that he got booed by this stadium <laughs> crab to me. Uh, that means he knows. He knows. But yeah, let's jump back into it because we talked about the Stone thing. And then what happens right after Stone? It was Connor McDavid to Matthias Ekholm with the blast. That hits Thompson in the clavicle. Yanmark jams it in. Thompson thinks he stopped it. Vegas thinks it's goalie interference. They end up not challenging it. Um, great goal. That's an effort goal. Yanmark scores. And what else can you say? And that's the thing where you look at the the stone tip. You know that was a little bit more skill. Ekholm was on him, like you said, with the body. But the Yanmark one. That's like you said, a, just a gritty goal. It's just a couple of bounces going the right way. Yeah. Oilers just did not get that earlier in the season. They did not have the lucky bounces going no. their way. And that one you just needed because yep. you you go back up to one almost immediately after the stone goal and all of a sudden the momentum's back in the Oilers favor and then 43 seconds later we, we, we kind of touched on this already but yeah. every Oilers winger flies the zone Amadio in alone makes a decent play on Skinner like I get it he's in alone once again that's probably the goal you're most okay with him giving up to be honest with you but yeah. like 
again, when you have an 858 save percentage, I'm gonna compl- like I'm gonna complain about everything. You like you have not earned the benefit of a doubt. I see people in chat saying uh, Skinner needs a break, and yeah, I agree. I I Ooh. honestly would have started. I would have had no problem starting Calvin Pickard tonight. Absolutely no problems. Uh, but like you just can't do it. You can't keep running Skinner out like this. But he's also just a below average NHL goalie. I feel like if you you, you just have to pick your battles, right? If you played Pickard against the Ducks, then Skinner gets this one. If you played Skinner against the Ducks like they did, technically, yeah, just give Pickard a, a shot, right? Like Skinner is clearly struggling and you can't overload a struggling guy with game after game after game and expect him to succeed, right? Yeah. I'm I'm going to be curious what the next one who's going to get the net, net against the Jets like we could talk well, about that towards the end of the show but even even in his good games there's struggles like against Ducks okay he only allowed two goals but even they were talking about the broadcast day and they never talk about how bad the goal thing is he was so shaky in that first a couple mm-hmm. bounces go a different way the Ducks could be up for four to two in that first period or whatever right like oh yeah if the Ducks pounced on a couple of those loose pucks in the first ev- like- every game. There is some sort of thing about goaltending that we're talking about. He, it's never just oh, 19 for 20. It's always there's always a conversation. The fact it, it's like you know those defensemen that are awesome but you never notice, and that's why they're so good. Like I want a game where you just don't have to think about goaltending. You know, you let in mm-hmm. some goals, you let in a goal in the power play, whatever. That's a, but like every game, there's a conversation about how shitty or this goal or that goal and why it's an 858 like. Just, there's no consistency. There's always a worry when Skinner's in net. And when there's always a, goalie when en- a worry when any goalie is in the Edmonton net currently. I just want to say before we continue on, we got 60 people watching right now. If you haven't hit like, we only got 21 of them. Hit like, hit subscribe. We really appreciate it. We're closing in on 100,000 subscribers. We're at 96,000, 4,000 more. Uh, and then it will, you know, we'll have a 100,000 subscriber party or something. I guess we haven't gone that far yet. But hit subscribe if you haven't already. Hit like. Uh, anyways, yeah. And yeah, like when you mention it, there's there's this whole struggle. Obviously, I think if the Oilers want to contend in this year's playoffs, if they even make it to this year's playoffs, they, they need will. to get a goalie and they need to solidify that position. Because if you if you score goals, which they have now, that problem has been rectified. You have a defense that largely is unchanged from last year that problem you know what they're just bringing back to average normalcy for them on the defensive line it's the goaltending exactly it has been so bad this year that if you fix that problem it should be smooth enough sailing right and it, oh yeah and, and, and tonight i want to i want to say like i think the defense was excellent this is a hockey game right like mistakes happen in hockey you're going to give stuff up the Oilers did bear, like gave up as little as possible against the defending Stanley Cup champions. Like they played excellent. They played excellent. It should not have gone to overtime at all. They got scored yeah. on by Keen Kolazar, Michael Amadio, Ben Hutton. Like they should not and I guess Michael Amadio now is one of the best better players on that, on that team. But regardless, like it should not have gone to overtime. It they did not have the uh, those defensive lapses besides the one on the Amadio goal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but again, that does happen to every team. We just see it from an Oilers perspective because that's how we're watching the game, right? But like, won a game of those, other teams, their goalies stop them, you know, 50% of the time, 70% of the time. I mean, you bring up a great point. Teams will make defensive mistakes. And oh my goodness, 
did Vegas make a horrific defensive mistake on the next goal when they were four on four mm-hmm. and just forgot about the best player in the world. Oh. They all charged up ice and just left Connor McDavid there for a breakout pass. And it was a beautiful goal, like a, a, a move on Thompson. Another three points tonight. He's yeah. so back. 12 points in his last three games. He climbs up, I think, to seventh now in NHL scoring. Uh, when do you, th- do you think he'll be in first by Christmas? Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> look at the timeline. Look at how horrible his start has been. And just in half of the month of November, McDavid is getting closer and closer to the top there, of the NHL. There was a funny thing I saw on Twitter. Someone tweeted, uh, a Flames fan tweeted that, uh, Connor McDavid was on pace to break Jonathan Huberto's single season point drop off record, and he's just hoping and praying on his downfall. And then someone quote tweeted him and said, uh, "McDavid would be the just in the last five games, McDavid would lead the Flames in scoring," which made me laugh because that is very very funny. Yeah, Connor McDavid with his last five games lead the Calgary Flames in scoring. That is hilarious. But yeah, they, they I think McDavid was exhausted. He was gassed. He was going to go for a change. Obviously, the transition opportunity came. And you could just see after he scored how gassed he looked. He wasn't necessarily moving on the breakaway that fast. But all four knights were just going in the opposite direction and completely left him all alone. He had so much time to make that move. And obviously, you give Connor McDavid that time. He's going to make those moves. He's going to score on you. And, you know, what else can you say? But uh, beyond that... um. And, and the whole reason why they were four on four, right, is Evander Kane takes a penalty while they're on the power play, and it's just another one of those. Oh, you're yes, but come on! Like again, Edmonton's dominating the game. How are they in the penalty deficit? Like, think about it. Vegas was taking penalties too. They were worth calling them. Well, like Carrier took the interference hold. hold. Yeah, it was a hold. It was hold on Bouchard. Something on Bouchard, yeah, and went to the box, and then yeah, this this even up penalty it, one minute or so after after exactly. penalty, and all of a sudden, okay, we're now we're playing four on four again. Like, well, I, you know what it was tonight? The game management was on full display, right? It, it seemed like yeah. even that too many men, like that's a little game's a little bit of an even up call to me because. They, they, what did they not call there? There was something that happened. Oh, Petrangelo, after the high stick, speared Ernie in the nuts. Yeah. And, like, okay, they didn't call that as the makeup call. Then they call that. Like, it felt makeup call tonight. It felt game managing tonight. It felt like, okay, the Oilers' power play has gotten back, and we don't want to put the Oilers on the power play because they were snapping around. They didn't get, mm-hmm. They didn't score that much on the power play, but they looked good. There were a lot of close misses tonight. The special teams have been excellent for the last, you know, six games or whatever. Yeah, like you mentioned, the the power play has been re- recovering and it's been pretty good in the last couple of games. And the penalty kill, the penalty kill has been fantastic the last couple of games. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, the the refing has been so inconsistent this game. Just the the penalty on mcdavid right after like after his goal the best player in that the world. was a trip yeah you you just called that a trip on connor mcdavid and it it could have gone the other way right like it, it could have been uh one where stone actually scored and this game from that point on flips because now it's three three again right stone had the wide open net yeah. and just shot it wide. Just shot it wide there were a couple times 
it wasn't it wasn't Skinner making the save. It no. was just Vegas biffing their shot. And, and, and that's going to happen in a game. Like you, like, you will get bounces like that. You need that type of luck to succeed. But if Vegas puts that on net, like, I am, I have not once this season, just like with Jack Campbell, I have not once felt like, oh, Skinner's in net. Like, we're safe. I have not had that warm feeling that I had watching Cam Talbot, watching Mike Smith at some points in time, because you knew Schmitty was a battler. So far, Stuart Skinner is not shown to be a battler. He does not let in. He does not have that grand fear. I'm not letting in the sixth one, boys. He doesn't have that energy. And it's that, something the Oilers lack, like, clearly. That deflation, right? That deflation. When you when you looked at Mike Smith, when he let in the goal from, like, 200 feet or whatever, like, 160 feet and out. he raised his you, arms in the you, air. Yeah, he's just like, what was that? Like, I don't know, man. Mike, what was that? I'll never forget I, that. It looked like he was yelling at Evan Bouchard for him, like, for him letting in a goal. Like, dumb, you dumbass, you screened me from 200 feet away. <laughs> That was hilarious, but yeah, what, like regardless, the Oilers go into the third up four two. I was very, I was really wondering because we ha- haven't had a lot of experience in a close game with Chris Novlock going into the third with the lead yet. So I was really c- curious as to how they were going to try and shut it down. Like, were they going to just kind of dump ch- dump pucks into the blue line, get back? Were they going to still play with like an up tempo, fast paced game, try and just run up the score? Obviously, not run up the score, but like keep possession of the puck rather than just lock it down and man off the blue line or change their yeah, neutral like zone st- strategy, you know? Stay in the offensive zone, right? That's mm-hmm. sort of. If you're holding possession, if you are just constantly attacking, then you naturally don't have to defend as much. And the Oilers did just that. They were really, really good to start on the third period. Yeah, absolutely. They 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 was excellent. That period was excellent. Like that was a masterclass. Cause I remember complaining in the Jay Woodcroft era. Like they would try and play this. They would switch to this trap style. We're going to shut you down. We're done scoring goals. We're walling up the blue line. We're standing there with their sticks out. Five men across. You got to break through us to get to the net. And they were dog shit at that. And it felt like every time they went to that strategy, it felt like they were going to blow the lead. It felt like they were better almost coming from behind at a lot of points. And I was so surprised. I was so pleasantly surprised watching them maintain possession deep in Vegas' zone, making Vegas work to get the puck off them, establishing the cycle down low. There was nothing Vegas was doing that was working. Vegas wasn't able to generate anything. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, like, you, you saw it from the start of the third period when again the bottom six guys were getting mm-hmm. offensive zone time like Derek Ryan had one that went off the post yep. if that went in again the the narrative changes in this game we might get a couple more penalties but we right after you know the the push from the Oilers to start the third period yeah. there was that one chance that the uh Golden Knights got on the power play the, the, was and that I, the one where Kane there was a chance that came, like, the, uh, even though, sorry to cut you off, but, like, in, in that the play, they, there was there were plays where, yeah, Vegas was getting chances, but Vegas was icing the puck. It felt like they iced the puck five times early. Like, they were under pressure from Edmonton. There was a chance. Vegas had a chance early. Evander Kane, huge block. 
Then Connor Brown and Ryan McLeod go down and get a two-on-one, right? Like, they were, they, it felt like Vegas wasn't getting anything, and when they did, it was biting them in the ass. Like, they weren't able to generate. And they, they were whiffing pucks. They were icing pucks. Like, there were passes that were intercepted. That, that third period, again, up until the very end of it, was so good a master class like you said that that was when the ernie uh that the the, the, the legendary ernie shift the stuff of legend the stuff you hear about that you think is fake it's up there with bigfoot it's up there with i don't know chupacabra you you hear about it but we actually have photo evidence that adam ernie had a nhl shift where he made an impact he drew Can you believe a penalty. It? He threw he a hit, a he got a grade-A chance, and drew a penalty all in one shift. And then after that, he, as it does, it you know, the natural order of things took over, and he was probably the most responsible skater for a goal against. Because you cannot have the good without the bad, and Adam Ernie is a lot of bad. <laughs> that goal against was a bad one, too, right? Like, if, if you had a turning point in the game that was the one like yeah, vegas I... vegas got in they they were back in the hunt because of that hut and goal yeah skinner and ernie well i, I don't even want like, ernie whatever skinner handed the momentum to the vegas golden knights i i wrote both times first and second excellent stew period best of the season a plus you can only stop the shots that the oilers give up and he was stopping everything like as much as i felt that he could i felt it was very reasonable the stops that he had made the second you get into the third he just i don't know if it's just the lack of pucks the standing around he lost focus what i don't know what it was but again you're in the nhl there's gonna be periods like that especially when you're on a good team well you know what should be a good team um like it just you hand the momentum back to vegas and then that six minutes happens the oilers start chasing the next two shifts right finally because vegas has been fighting the puck all night the oilers do get the puck back they start establishing a cycle they get it in their own zone they blatantly trip ryan mcleod blatantly i haven't had many moments this year where the oilers where i've jumped off the couch like screaming that's a trip because the oilers have sucked and there's not been, there's not been one game where the refs have made an impact on this year thus far. Last year, I remember there were more, you know, kind of as we got later on in the year. This is the first game where I felt the refs game managed me sticky fingerprints all over the final result, all over. It's so different when you're when you're winning a game. You have a lead, and you lose a game, or in this case, the game gets tied. Because the refs didn't want to decide a game. If, if McLeod, who on that same shift, I think he got tripped and then he got like his stick held on the same defensive zone shift. If either one of those gets called, the next two minutes go by. Exactly. Vegas doesn't have enough time. There's no momentum. You kill the momentum. And that momentum is dead. If McDavid on the other end of the ice, if when his stick got held, Against, uh, like, it was... It was Hag or Theodore. Uh, or not Theodore, the, he's out, but regardless. Yeah, not Theodore. But it was either, like, was it against the 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 boards? Was it yeah, against, it was against the was boards. It, like, it was ripped out. It, it, that was a penalty. You cannot just... Yeah. Regardless, when the puck is not there, you cannot hold Connor McDavid against the boards and just take him out of the play. That's a exactly. penalty, it, regardless of what way we want to say it's holding the stick. Just holding, like... That is a penalty, regardless. That yeah. is a missed call 
by the referees because they didn't want to take it away. They didn't want to be the reason Edmonton won. They didn't want to be the part. So what do they do? They hand the game to Vegas. And then they become part of the narrative. Exactly. In an effort to not be a part of the game narrative, they handed it to Vegas and became a part of the game narrative. Yeah. Um, those those three calls that were missed, if any of those get called, suddenly there's just a, a much, much well, lower chance you, of that cold. You target. give Edmonton the momentum. Edmonton all of a sudden is a five on four. Vegas then probably has to pull their goalie, make it five on five. And how likely is it that the Oilers are going to score, you know, a five on five empty net goal, right? Like the odds are so sig- That was so significantly impacted by the negligence from those dumbass officials. Like this was a such a piss poor performance. Like the only skaters on the ice worse than Stuart Skinner at some games are the referees at some points. And the idiot linesman. I, I noticed it a lot today. Blow the fucking whistle. Fake drop the puck. Get the fuck out of here. Like, ah, shut you fucking losers. Do you go home and brag to your kids? Yeah, I kicked like five guys on the face-offs tonight. It's a crazy night. Go to the bar. Tell someone you kicked Sidney Crosby on the face-off circle. You fucking loser. You, I actually hate line. Like, I understand how Adam hates linesmen because that fucking drives me nuts. Watching the shit that Leon Drysaddle takes from the idiot linesmen who always fake drop the puck. He flinches and then like like shut the fuck up and drop the puck or don't fake drop it blow the whistle blow it dead redo the face off oh fuck all it's so stupid regardless we get to overtime it, we we get to overtime because of that again colasar redeflection like it, it, is that all on Stu? no but do you want Stu to stretch out like Logan Thompson had a great save earlier in the mm-hmm. game where he stretched out on a on a deflection with his pad. Yeah. And then he stuffed who was it? Like Brown or someone? Think Brown. Like he he had a great, great save. And at the same time, on the other end of the ice, Skinner can't get that one. Now, why was Kolasar alone in front of the net? We can blame the defense on a little bit, but you needed just a little bit more from Skinner or a little bit more from the defense or a little bit less from the refs and anything would have changed. Any of those changes would have resulted in the Oilers just winning this game. Yeah. It's I like what McNair says. I like the cure in the crowd chant ref. You suck. Now I guess I probably, because the refs have giant egos, it probably pisses them off a bit and then you get less calls, but you know what? I'm willing to do with that. And it's funny. This is probably the first game this year that I can remember a refuse suck chant, right? Like, again, I don't feel like yeah. they've really impacted the game one way or another thus far this season. When you're down, like, two or three goals, you're <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Okay, <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much it. And then Wise Kyle says Dennis is dressed like a ref, which the made poor, me laugh. <laughs> poor choice of, cl- of attire for this one. <laughs> yeah, it uh, made me laugh. But regardless, even though the Oilers definitely didn't deserve to go to overtime again, you they they won they were like yeah, they dominated in every facet of the game regardless we go to overtime and it's one of my biggest pet peeves in the NHL it was interesting Nobla didn't start with the Ekholm Bouchard combo that worked i wonder why he went away from it i wonder if someone asked him about that in the post game press conference it'd be interesting to hear what he said um but he he decides to go to McDavid and Drysaddle William Carlson great face off guy just the my biggest pet peeve in the world you puck ragging like I, I, i'm unprofessional me but puck ragging scumbags <laughs> like honestly 
play hockey. If Vegas goes down and scores, by all means, whatever, Edmonton blew it, good on you. But to sit there and just circle and drop the puck back and skate around for two and a half minutes because you're afraid of making a mistake. Like, there's no integrity there that you take away what makes hockey hockey. This is just loser ball. Like, that is genuinely a loser strategy. Grow up. You already have the one point, right? This is already a situation where in a two-point night, somehow you've made three points appear, which is already dog. But if you just take this five-minute overtime period, which is supposed to be some of the more exciting hockey, it's it's three-on-three. Three. There's so much more open ice. There's so much mm-hmm. room for creativity. And there's only – like. There's, there's a point on the line. There's so much at stake here. Both teams want that point. And you look at the Vegas Golden Knights holding possession of the puck for two and a half minutes, g- getting into the blue line, and then deciding, you know what? I'm not even going to try and make a, a drive. It's, I'm not even going to try and pressure it. Let's just go back. Like, we're ta- they, is, they're taking their chances for a shootout. Yeah, this is the worst part of hockey when it should be the most exciting part of hockey you need an over and back rule you need something that prevents it because it makes it the most exciting part like you said unwatchable it's so frustrating watching teams do that it's it's ridiculous you sit there and you watch three assholes skate and pass it around in their own zone no intention whatsoever until petrangelo decides to put it on the net Really weird overtime period for Evan Bouchard. A number of passes he normally would make, uh, when they did get possession, kind of gave it right back uh, and yeah. end up eliminating what little time McDavid and Drysdale did get on the ice. Uh, right at the, but there wasn't much that happened in overtime. I think Skinner made one pretty decent save in overtime. I can't really remember. Um, but regardless, the the one thing that did happen in overtime, end of the period. Connor McDavid, eight seconds left, skating in with Evan Bouchard. It looked like just in the nick of time, Evan Bouchard had won the game in overtime. Puck don't lie, serves Vegas right for doing that asshole strategy. But, you know, like the puck luck just... That the, the puck luck you had earlier in the game just evaporated and Evan Bouchard missed what was like the most glorious chance with one second left, and the others go to shootouts, and man, for shootouts frustrate me. They're a skill competition. It just, the wind doesn't feel as nice. Um, and last year, the, we, you remember the back-to-back slap shots from Drysidle in the shootout. Yeah. Like, that's what I, I think of. That's what I think like, of when shootouts. We clearly saw McDavid and Nugent Hopkins get the first goes at the shootout, and I almost wonder if that's just like... Man, let's let's not send out Dry because Dry has made a point that he does not like the shootout. So McDavid and Nugent Hopkins got it done. But you brought up a great point when we first hopped into the call. Yeah. You want to reiterate it right now? Again, it's really funny the way that this transpired because the Oilers won the shootout and Stuart Skinner did not make a save. Marcia So, I believe, missed the net and then Eichel yep. hit the post. Yep. The Oilers went two for two. Skinner went over oh. Because <laughs> if they got a shot on him. Might have gone in. Scares me. Like, scares me a lot. I'm no I should I wish I had faith. I wish I did. I wish he was good. I really wish yeah. he was good and we didn't have this goalie problem. But the fact is he fuck he just isn't. He's just not it. He does not have it. Whatever it is, he does not have. And they always need it. 
everything was looking so so good until those two goals late into the game and all of a sudden skinner has an 852 against thompson with an 882 and again thompson was looking shaky right like this is vegas is good they're a good defensive team even though they have two of their biggest defensive uh, defensemen in martinez and theodore out tonight they still looked very very sound defensively it's a system it's a system it's that system you got decent skating big defenseman in there and bruce costi is an excellent coach um and they just plug and play and plug and play and obviously they're not going to be nearly as skilled as shea theodore or nearly as i don't even know sound defensively as impactful (laughs) defensively as alec martinez maybe even though he's kind of dropped off as he's gotten older he's got maybe got lost a little bit of a step obviously Still a decent, pretty good defenseman. Like I would take him on the Oilers exactly. gladly. But it's a systems thing. Like like Bruce Cassidy is an excellent coach, and they they were committed. But and you could see that like the Oilers were able to generate. But Bruce Cassidy is an excellent coach. They were missing, but the Oilers were missing Hyman and Holloway. Which Holloway, you know, yeah, whatever. But like I think it's pretty clear that Vegas is in a slump, and oh, yeah. they haven't been good. And at the same time, it's still you still needed a shootout to win it. Again, 55 minutes, I would say, yeah, the Oilers are back. This this proves it. They're able to beat the Golden Knights pretty, pretty soundly, even if even if there's a couple of players that are out on the Golden Knights roster. And the way that this game ended, all of that enthusiasm just drained out of me. And it, the start of this show was was pretty pretty dumb. see this is where i'm on a little bit different of a page with you because to me this still feels like the Oilers are back like this was an amazing effort like amazing this is like as good of an effort as you can ask for from the edmonton Oilers. this is a frustrating game we heard a lot of talk about revenge coming into the game i wasn't sure how they were going to handle alex petrangelo it didn't look like anyone really paid him any attention besides the fans who were booing him which whatever but you, 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 there was a lot of pressure. The Oilers needed to get a win tonight. They needed to get a win. You have to keep climbing up the standings. The other Pacific Division teams are struggling and losing, and you need to capitalize. Last year, Vegas climbed back. They were in like a 15-point deficit on Edmonton. Next thing you know, they ended up winning the division. It is possible to climb back out of these holes and make your way up the standings. It just takes time, and you got to win consistently. And this, to me, with the defensive effort, like Darnell Nurse, Excellent. Vincent mm-hmm. DeHarnay in the last little bit looked excellent. Evan Bouchard, excellent tonight. 21 points in 21 games. No major gas. Very sound defensively. Very effective defending his own blue line in zone, rubbing people out, breaking up the cycle. Evan Bouchard was excellent. The Oilers' defensive core, for the most part, was excellent. Their forward core, besides side of Adam Ernie, excellent. I'll never give him credit. I don't care. It's, even, <laughs> it's just becoming a shtick now. I don't even care. I cannot give I mean, him credit. You found the new guy to rag on, but like, let's talk about the old guy that we used to rag on. Cody Cece's been he looked, he's looked, he's looked better. He's looked better. Like, like, like would I like for him to make a better play in the offensive zone? <laughs> would I like him yeah. to to not just you know take that weak shot, whatever? But you know what? Watching him rush the puck, when he's just not able to make a pass with speed. But you know what? I'm not going to complain because he's looked he's looked excellent. Like he's relative to Cody Cece of you know la- middle of last year, he's looked fine. Very serviceable, not a problem. However, I still believe, outside of goaltending, the biggest uh, upgrade necessary for this team is a right-shot defenseman, preferably a top-pair guy to play with Nurse, replace CC. But, like, 
that's so far and away below the goaltender. Like the goaltender is need A, B, C, D, E, F, and then about G is when you get to okay, right shot defenseman. But like for the most part, like I think that that's why like I still can sit here and say they're back because this is a game where the refs kind of took control, and whether you want to say it or not, they impacted the the result of that game. And Stuart Skinner sucked. <laughs> like, flat out. Like, he was not good. And again, yeah. and, and it sucks because he was good for the first 50 minutes he of the was, game. He was, like, again, our expectations are so, so low for the goaltender. 900. 900. If you just have 900, if you are just average, that's all we want. And we just don't have any goaltenders on the roster or in the minors that can achieve that for some reason mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i mean it's but it's 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 tough <laughs> it's tough you could i and the thing is the way that the oilers are playing now they, this isn't like a, this isn't like this okay here before i get into this point let's just say we're gonna jump into the press conference real quick here so if any of you guys are going to throw a question into chat for dennis or i to answer uh do it now let's see it i'll give you some time to do it when i, when I answer this uh i continue on this topic but um Oh damn it! I had it in my head. Now it's gone. I'm not good at that. <laughs> you you were uh, you were mentioning about the. Oh my god! Yeah, it just left my brain too. I know. I'm not good. <laughs> not good at that. Not seasoned veterans here. We're like Dylan Holloway and James Hamlin. Um, it, the passion is there. <laughs> the passion is there. The passion is there. The execution is not. Regardless, they need to get a new goalie. I'm gonna watch it back probably, and I'll be furious that I didn't say whatever I meant to say because it felt really important in my head, but obviously not. Uh, I saw I wait up, wait up, ruin the flow there, Zach. Good job, jeez. Oh man. <laughs> hey, let's let's keep it rolling. Let's get into the presser. It's uh, it's been a good night in the end. The Edmonton Oilers win 5-4 over the Vegas Golden Knights in a shootout. Let's get into a presser question. Uh, the first one that I actually want to talk about is one that's kind of been on the back burner because we've had so many issues, so many other talking points. I think in the Noblar regime now, we have solidified our 6D. Like Broberg is no longer being considered a part of this, this core going forward unless someone gets injured. So what do you do now with Philip Broberg? Goodbye. Get ready to learn. That's... I hope you, I get ready. I hope, get ready to learn Chinese. Like ni hao, ni hao. Like you know. <laughs> bye. You're not. There's no value in Philip Broberg anymore. You you you've passed your your window to trade him. Your window to trade him was two years ago, and they kept sitting on that and hoping. And oh, we're smarter than everyone. Philip Broberg's gonna be better than Jacob Chikrin. Mark my words. What? Look at this. Nope. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? If you were able to package him in a deal to get a goaltender, I don't think anyone on in oil country would consider that untouchable anymore. Like, even if it's just a slight, a slight increase in goaltender, people would be packaging, um, people would be packaging broberg just just to get rid of that contract right just to be like move out of here we're done with this experiment let's see if we can get something else going so and if it makes that that goaltender who's coming in just a little bit better just a little bit bigger of a name do it so first i will say that like 
a marginal upgrade on a goaltender, not good enough. Like, that's the first thing. Like, I don't want them to be considering. Like, seeing reports of their, oh, we're considering Spencer Martin. You, in your well, cover bust year, you're considering a <laughs> marginal upgrade, a guy who was a fourth-string goalie a year and a half ago? Like, get serious, you actual bunch of losers in management, first of all. You same assholes who drafted Broberg. Anyway, with the eighth overall pick, hey, check my Twitter. I was like, they could get Caulfield here. They could get Caulfield here. No way. Caulfield fell to the Oilers. And then just the Oilers just went off the board, drafted Philip Broberg, whatever. Uh, guys in that 2019 draft, are making an impact. A lot of them are on their yeah. second deals. They've signed deals like Boldy, 7x7, seven seven, whatever. Will Broberg, maybe one day he could have his career resurrected somewhere. I honestly don't think it's in Edmonton. I think he's out. Yeah. He's not drafted by this regime. He's not a Jeff Jackson guy. Chris Nobla is not partial to him whatsoever. The thing is, you look at that 2019 draft, Lassie Thompson was a defenseman who was drafted, I think, I want to say like 19th, somewhere in that range. By Ottawa, Ottawa waived him this year. He was claimed by Anaheim. Anaheim put him right back on waivers. Like you're past the point of those guys having like that, like having their draft pedigree carry their reputation. It's a lot of what have you done for me lately? And Philip Berberg has done nothing for anyone ever. So besides yeah. like one game against Vegas two and a half years ago, where he played 17 minutes and played really well. Um, so let's let me expand on that question, mm-hmm. right? Like the. You mentioned just a, a marginal increase in goalie isn't good enough. Now, it's been out there forever that Edmonton and Montreal were talking, right? Out of that trio of goaltenders, Allen, Montembeau, Primo, like, is there anyone in there that you wouldn't consider just a marginal upgrade? Montembeau, it's weird. Because, like, when I think of Sam Montembeau, I think of a game probably, like, three years ago where the Oilers played the Habs and put up, like, seven on Sam Montembeau. <laughs> and he just, in my head, isn't a good goalie. But the fact is, I believe he's one of the top goalies this year in terms of goal saved above expected. Like, he's been a above a significantly above-average goalie uh, in the NHL this season. And, and Montreal's work, apparently, in contract discussions with him. So, like, I don't know how fast they're moving out Sam Montembeau, especially because he's a French guy. Whenever it's a French guy in mm. Montreal, they... They ain't moving him so fast. But, like, Montebo to me, it's weird because then again, also, like, you look, Aiden Hill, a year and a half ago, was a third-string goalie. Alex Lyon, who's in Detroit right now, who went with Florida to the Stanley Cup, or did decent with playoffs, and he was the reason Florida got into the playoffs. Broski yeah. obviously took over. But, like, there's guys that are out there, like, like in a Montebo position that have showed if you you look at their fundamentals and i'm not a goalie guy by any means but you get a guy who looks at the fundamentals and says okay it's there they have it in a limited sample size this can be expanded upon it's guys like jack campbell who can't play goalie and are just all slippy sloppy flighty all over the place the puck's gonna hit me and i'm gonna get lucky and throw up a 958 for three months and lock myself into whatever deal and then go 835 for the rest of the year but, like, those are the guys you don't sign. Those are the guys you don't trade for. But your Aiden Hills, your Sam Montebos, those are the guys that I understand. And those are the guys that are usually available. And, obviously, you're going to have to take a chance. Like, Cam Talbot, when the Oilers traded for him, wasn't a starter. He was good in a limited showing when Henrik Lundqvist was injured. And they brought him in, and he ended up excelling in a role as a starter. Like, that's what they're probably going to have to do in an ideal world. For me, it's, okay, here's all my first-round picks, all my money, the deed to the West Edmonton Mall, give me UC Soros. But that's, you know, no, probably not going to happen. Nashville doesn't need another mall. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you if you look at it, 
it's just goalies are this weird voodoo position and you can you can look at the fundamentals you can look at heavy like strong runs like you mentioned Aiden Hill no one expected last year that he would be the driving force that gets Vegas to the cup it's so hard to say man it's just what we can confidently say now is that we don't have it in the system at all like nothing in Edmonton nothing in Bakersfield is going to be able to save this season we're gonna need help elsewhere mm-hmm. let's get into another La- question yeah uh, well I was gonna say last one before we wrap up you go you go ahead with it though oh do you, did you have one you wanted to to uh, uh yeah I saw off? one and I actually I was listening to Oilers now before the show started like like before the game started and it was something they talked about in Oilers now so I was curious to get your thoughts uh Detroit signed Patrick Kane. Are we, just, are we talking about the same question? Uh, I I did see that question in the chat. Did, I'm, well, I'm hoping it's the same okay, one. Okay, Detroit signed Patrick Kane today. So the odd man out of their lineups, Clem Costin. He only has two points yeah. in 16 games. Uh, Detroit Steve Eisenman, are, I, I, they saying that he put the feelers out there that they would be willing to move on from Clem Costin. If you could get Clem Costin for a fifth-round pick and Adam Ernie, at forty percent retained, so he's like one point two five million dollars. Uh, I believe that's the right math. I'm not one hundred. It does, doesn't matter. If you could get him for around one point two million, one point four million, even. Yeah, of course. Would you, you make Adam Ernie in there to make that easy? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm not <laughs> doing that for straight up. I'm please take him because like Adam Ernie, like Klim was throwing those hits. Klim was. Effect, like he's what I wish. Like Adam Ernie could be Clem Costin. It's not hard to be Clem Costin. Clem Costin was effort. Clem Costin got up and he defended his players and he fought and he hit and he shot and he scored. And Clem Costin obviously had a high, really high shooting percentage or a stretch where he had like seven goals in seven games or something insane like that. But when Clem Costin dried up and he wasn't able, he made an impact elsewhere. Every night that Clem Costin was in the lineup, even if he was in the lineup playing for five minutes. Some point, you felt the physicality in the playoffs. This is where Clem Costin was so valuable. You felt his physicality when the Oilers couldn't get anything against LA. Who stood up? Two goals in one period in the playoffs. I believe it was Game Five against Los Angeles. Might have been Game Six against Los Angeles. Clem Costin came up huge. Like that's a guy that I, I would I would welcome back to the Oilers. Retain, not at full salary, not close to two mil though. Like, here's the situation, right? We can't do it at two mil because we still need to figure out the goalie situation. But I uh, totally agree. Costin is so, so much of an upgrade over Ernie. If if it was, oh, if there was a way to make the money work without any other players going back the other way, just draft picks, like you said, totally. That's a no brainer for me. I'm, I'm thinking now, if you are Detroit, you've, You've gotten burned on some contracts, right? Are are you going to demand more? Because Edmonton no. is a team. They need space. Like they need I mean, they need space. They just signed Patrick Kane. I believe they have people on IR, LTIR, but like they have to, I I believe like they have to make a trade. Um like I know Clem Costin is the odd man. I could see them waving Clem Costin, to be honest with you. You like they will get rid of him but it hasn't worked out there i don't i don't think they're quite happy very happy with him at a, at a two million pickup like no one's gonna pick up no. a waiver so you're right like if they if they 
asked for like a guy like Tulio, right? If if they asked for a guy like uh, they would not ask for that. I would not do that for Clem Costin. It's it's gonna be a late like I listened to Brian Lawton on Oilers now. He said it probably wouldn't even be a fourth round pick for him for them to trade him and retain six hundred thousand dollars. So I don't think it would be that much, and I would take him back, especially if I could get Ernie as the contract going the other way. <laughs> I I would I, I agree. I would take him back for sure. Again, like the only things that I'm thinking, if I'm Detroit, like there's two years on on Costin's contract, if I remember yeah. correctly. It was it wasn't one, it was two years, right? Yeah, it's two. Two years, two mil. So like if I'm if I'm holding like that that's going to come at a little bit more of a premium. Eh. Again, the Oilers are a team that's having some issues right now, so why not try to rip them off if if, you know, if I'm Detroit? Yeah, but I mean, I mean at the end of the day, um like they I feel like Clem's not that valuable of a player around the league. I think we are more attached to him than probably any other fan base would be even like remotely, like not St. Louis, not even close. Um I don't think anyone really values him. Again, two points in 16 games at a $2 million cap. And I think Detroit would have to pay to get him off the books. So if Edmonton is willing to take him back, um, I think they would happily do it. Because Edmonton at this offseason would have had to pay to get rid of Warren Fogle, right? And Warren Fogle is a pretty effective third-line player in spurts. Um, and this year he's been excellent, I think, obviously yeah. on and off. Um, All of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, like he's been more physical, whatever. But I think... Uh, I think you could get Clem pretty cheap. I don't think you really have to pay anything if you wanted him back, and that's the route that you went. Because again, the others also don't have oh, much yeah. cap space, and Detroit with this addition of Kane will probably have to make another. Anyways, we've been going for over an hour <laughs> at this point, so let's wrap it up here. Uh, let's call it a night. It was a great show. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. think you know what the next one is is going to be another test too, right? We we've gone into this game saying. All right, Vegas is coming to town again. Such such a crazy playoff series. The next one, it's going to be a big one because Connor Hellebuck. You're going to have a team that has been, you know, pretty like, good, doing pretty good. They're they're. I think. Oh no, they lost against Dallas tonight. Yeah, right? but they were they, they lost against Dallas. Uh, they lost they lost to someone the other day too to Nashville, I believe. Uh, three but, two. Oh, but they've been good. Like, yes, the, they're, they're, they're one of the better teams in the West this year thus far. They're the surprise team in the West. Again, beatable team. Like, none of these teams scare me. This isn't like the decade of darkness where it's like every team it felt like was monumentally better than you. It feels like, it feels odd because this is the worst team coming in where you're like, okay, worse, the others are significantly better than this team that they're playing. Like, like it, it's such a weird mindset to have this year. And, but... I still, regardless of the outcome this year, uh, I still think they're back. They're able to outscore their problems, and that's what they did tonight. They outscored. They didn't have a lot of problems, but their goalie caused them some problems. They outscored it. Anyways, we've been going on forever. Uh, Dennis, uh, I think we'll... Uh, who, who's going to have... I think I'll have that game. You'll, yeah, the next one is going to be on Thursday. It's a 6 p.m. Mountain mm. puck drop in Winnipeg. Again, this weird schedule where... We had this long, long home stand, and all of a sudden we have to go to Winnipeg for a game. But the fun thing is, because you're going to Winnipeg, Brady is going to be joining you, Zach. So 
tune in to the next one. It's going to be a fun crossover episode of Game Over. That's it for us tonight. Zach, where can they find you? You can find me at ZML97 on Twitter. Dennis, where can they find you? At Dennis Lee, Y-E-G. That's it for us tonight. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, take care. Let's play La Bomba, baby. Play La Bomba, baby. <laughs>